everybody. I hope you really enjoy this interview with Antonio. We had a great discussion, but I wanted to just clarify before the episode that we recorded this before the big 40 movie casting announcement, everything. So some of the stuff might seem a little, uh, a little outdated and we're really excited about some of this casting that they are doing. We, but we also understand this is just a first step uh, and in what will hopefully be a lot of, of positive directions coming for the channel and for casting uh, in, in movies uh, all over the place, not even just Hallmark. So we're really excited about it and hope that you enjoy what Antonio and I discussed. So thanks so much and, uh, and uh, Merry Christmas in July. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We're really excited today to be talking with another one of our hall stars today. We're talking with Antonio Kaon uh, is here to talk with us. And Antonio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how have you been doing? We've been asking our interviews uh, lately how they've been handling this quarantine time. And uh, yeah, what's the experience been like for you? Yeah, quarantine's actually been quite uh, interesting for me. Um, so I'm in Vancouver, uh, and uh, every place kind of has their own obstacles and hardships with the with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, Vancouver stayed in phase one, which for us was uh, was considered the lockdown for about two months. Um, one of the things that I do outside of acting is I run restaurants. Um, so I uh, myself oh, and, wow. and two other people own a couple of spots and we sat down one Monday and realized we had to close the restaurants and um, we started thinking to ourselves well we have all these staff members that we're gonna have to lay off and this is tragic and these are like you know friends and family to us as far as we're concerned sure Um, and so we in restaurants there's this time uh, usually before your shift that you all sit down and you eat together called staff meal Mm -hmm. Uh, and and, you know it's it's kind of this like this beautiful thing within, uh, you know, a, a, a sacred institution of, of restaurants where anybody who's worked at a restaurant has sat down for staff meal and sometimes they're better than others. But uh, the idea is that you get to sit down and, and get nourished and check in with each other and have people check in on you and sort of prepare to go into to, to service together. So we thought, well, we want to still be able to provide staff meal for the, the people that we're laying off. And then as my partners and I do, we kind of extrapolated on that and we were like, well, there's a lot of restaurants and there's a lot of service industry that are going to be out of work. What if we figured out a way to like provide staff meal for everyone? Mm-hmm. And we knew that that was insane, but we, you know, that's kind of how we think. We, we just mm-hmm. kind of like to scale up and we, we love community. We want to help. And so then we scaled even further and we said, okay, right. This pandemic's going to be hard. A lot of people are going to be laid off. We don't know how long it's going to be. What if we could feed every community? <laughs> um, and, and it was that kind of, size of the thought that led us to this this initiative what we started doing we launched something called the staff meal initiative overnight we created the website built it all out um, made the platform so that it would work we put together uh, a five to ten dollar menu of healthy wholesome items that people could just come online and buy and we also created the opportunity for people to buy what we called suspended meals Um, so if you had extra money you might say well i'm going to buy uh, three meals for myself and my family, but I'm also going to buy one that you can send out into the community. And so what that afforded us the opportunity to do was to be able to say to people, if you're in need, if the pandemic has hit you harder than expected, like send us a message, you can purchase it online, but you get a free meal. Uh, and so for two months, uh, you know, restaurants were considered essential work. Um, I feel like we really 
took advantage of the, the, the notion of being essential because we made ourselves essential to the community. We made sure that we were feeding the people in our community that um, were hit the hardest. Uh, and then from there we decided, or I decided to reach out to other restaurants. And I thought this model is very helpful for a restaurateur because at least it gets you doing something again. It gives you purpose. Uh, and so I reached out to a bunch of restaurants and I said, if you can manage this and if you can afford it, start cooking for your community. I'll give you the model. I'll give you the infrastructure. I'll tell you how it works. I'll run you through the numbers so that nothing is like shady or difficult for you. And we ended up getting 11 restaurants on board across Vancouver that were all doing staff meal. Uh, and so it became this really beautiful thing that like in each community, there was a restaurant that was, we called it cooking for the collective good. Um, so we ran that. So, so, so all that is to say is that while everyone was, home during the pandemic and home during quarantine, uh, cooking for themselves and, and sourdough starter, which I missed out on. I was pretty much at work seven days a week uh, trying to figure out, um, yeah, how to, how, how to reach into the community and, and try to, try to like, lift people up. And the, the best part about it is that we, every day at 4.30, um, were out back behind our restaurant handing the food out to either people who were coming for donations or who had purchased. And we really got to meet our community firsthand. Typically in a restaurant, you only meet people when they come and sit down and you, you have these like beautiful chit chats, but they're, they're kind of quick and, you know, no one's really there to get to know the server specifically. They're there to have a nice dining experience. Um, so this was a really uh, humanizing aspect of it for us. So um, that yeah, is that amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, we had something similar here in Utah with, uh, it was called the, uh, the downtown Alliance. Uh, yeah where we uh we had we also had an earthquake here in uh in Salt Lake. so i mean it, it was i forget the actual number it was in the i think it was like a 6.3 i mean it was pretty oh my goodness like, 2020 luckily, is unforgiving i know like not a ton of damage thankfully but still uh it i know particularly one of the markets uh it, it destroyed like ten thousand dollars in inventory Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, in tops of everything else they were dealing with. And uh, so there's this thing called tip your server right. uh, that, uh, that actually Ty Burrell from Modern Family, he's, he lives in Salt Lake. And uh, so he kind of has initiated it and they have gotten over $500,000, $500,000. Yeah. In, um, in donations. So, uh, so they've been able to help the servers and the, uh, and the restaurant employees and other other people like that. So it's it's really cool. I, that's one one of the inspirational things about this whole yes mess is to see yeah. people like yourself and and uh, Ty Burrell and other people that uh, have stepped up and are are helping us to you know get through this uh, whole experience together. I mean that that's really inspirational. I really admire you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, it was, um, it, it's interesting. We, we've kind of looked back on it and, uh, and, and I should say that all over, at least North America, actually all over the world, I was in touch with someone, someone in Sweden. I was in touch with somebody else in London. Um, uh, because as I was building this initiative, I was kind of reaching out to see who else was doing something like this. And mm -hmm. I, I came across about five different, um, I guess, uh, it, creative innovators who who had like landed on something and we all had similar ideas so it was nice to crowdsource mm -hmm. but it, it's been really cool to see the level of innovation the level of creativity and the level of like care that has come out of this um this incredibly challenging time yeah uh, and and i think you know 
I, I joke that 2020 is unforgiving and it, tr it truly is. It's, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, you know, if we can take a step back and, and see the, the insanity of it, there's something really remarkable. Like the, the number of things that are crossing paths all in this one year, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's entirely unpredictable, but, um, but within yes. that, I do think that there's been this really beautiful um, step up from unexpected um, places of leadership and places of care and places of creativity that yeah. has, that, that is at least not necessarily normalizing things, but helping to um, reduce the destabilizing effect of what's, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just the support for the essential workers and, and yeah. uh, everything has been really touching to see. And, uh, you know, even just, I feel like, it's helped us kind of be aware of of kind of where hopefully we're all kind of looking out for each other and uh just i don't know it's been neat to see like uh, as uh somebody like myself who's all alone in quarantine that has been very difficult oh yeah uh, and uh i don't know i i so i've been really grateful for friends and uh, people that have reached out to me and I mean thank goodness I've had the podcast because I, yeah. I would I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this, it yeah this this at least gives you a direct link to <laughs> yeah to, to, to something very human it's like other human beings yes <laughs> you're there <laughs> and, and I've, I've been able to go to a drive-in movie which has been uh been great uh, oh that's so cool yeah, we have um we have a regular drive-in movie theater that's been there for forever. It's one of the oldest in the country, um, but then there's this other one uh, called Water Gardens where they just happen to have the land kind of around, and so they their theater, and so they created a drive-in movie theater. Uh -huh, uh, it so was like smart. a makeshift. I know, so cool because they wanted to keep their employees working and they wanted to provide that. And uh, the, the very first movie I went uh, there was I saw Jurassic Park, which is like one of my all-time favorite movies. Epic! It's epic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I was bawling by the end just because it meant so much to me. Yeah. And, and I'm a film critic. That's my job. And so to be without movies for so long and then to get to see my favorite movie at the drive-in was really meant a lot to me and yeah uh, in, and especially I, in a place that was made to take care of you right yeah like that's that that is not you know lost in it it's, it's yeah people went out of their way to say there are people who are stuck at home and and the reality yeah. is is like for many people during this pandemic being stuck at home like the strain and i'm watching this with my my little guy the strain on on mental health in different yeah. ways is yeah. uh, you know i think there'll be many studies 20 years from now we'll go like wow that was really problematic. Yeah. Right. Like it, it was just hard it was, and everyone has to it, do it. It's it the right thing, but my gosh, it's just been hard. It really, when they, when they were talking about it kind of going back into a shelter in place, I was just kind of like, I, I don't know if I can do it again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, and it's not, and there we figured out kind of, I think ways with masks and other things to kind of navigate things right. a little bit more than it was in in march and april but um uh but yeah oof. but yeah. uh <laughs> um so with your uh, restaurant background how did you get into acting which kind of came first and they kind of all... both showed up organically so so typically what you hear is actors work in restaurants because you have flexible schedules right um and that wasn't exactly the case for me 
I, uh, I was just about to start, no, I think I was already in theater school at the time and I just needed a job. I needed to work somewhere. Uh, and my mother, uh, I was living away from home at the time. My mother called me and said, there's this place that's opening downtown Toronto, Toronto's where I'm from downtown Toronto. You should just go down there with a resume and see if you can get a job. So I went down with her terrible directions and the place that I got to didn't have a restaurant. In fact, it didn't have any built buildings. Uh, and there was a guy, there was a guy unloading chairs at the back of a truck. And I kind of like poked my head in. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, yeah. I'm unloading chairs. He was not, he was like in a terrible mood. Uh, we went on to become friends. So it's very funny now, but he was, he was very rude. Yeah. And I was like, well, can I give you a hand? And he was like, sure, man, I guess. And it was just him. And it had to be like 400 chairs. And as we were talking, I was like, what are you doing? What, what's the, what's the gig here? What's the hustle? And he said, setting up a restaurant. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I, I want a, I want a job. And he was like, well, kid, the restaurant's not gonna be built for another like six months. And I said, okay, well, you clearly need help. So why don't you hire me on as like a casual worker or something? I'll just keep showing up and helping you move chairs and build stuff. And when the restaurant opens, you can give me a job as a server. And he laughed in my face. <laughs> and he said, you've obviously never worked in restaurants before. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'll hire you on as a, a busboy. And I, when I was younger, I was like really into negotiating and, and hustling. So I was like, I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you hire me as a busboy for one month, if I'm not the best, if I'm the best busboy you've ever had, you make me like king of the busers or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like, I think he appreciated how stupid, but how funny it was. And so he gave me a job um, and I, I stumbled into restaurants. It, it, mm -hmm. it, it really had nothing to do with acting. Um, but what I, what I know about myself is I like to do things at 120%. And so I've always been the person on a restaurant team that if you've got me, you've kind of got me for life. If mm -hmm. I have to leave to go shoot something, I'm gone for a little bit. Sorry, sorry, not sorry, kind of thing. Because when I come back, I'll still work to be, you know, like uh, like the, mm -hmm. one of the best people on the team. Um, wow. So did you so kind of work my way up? Did you grow up studying acting or wanting to be? A... Kind of. Yeah, I had a I had a bit of a weird way into acting. So when I was a kid, I was on um, I don't know what they're called. Like uh, I think they're called PD days now, pro professional development days at school. My mother was uh -huh. a teacher. Uh -huh. And so we were in different regions. So when my school had a PD day, hers didn't. Oh, and I couldn't, I was too young to stay home alone. I was probably in grade seven at the time. Um, I guess I could have stayed home alone, but she didn't trust me. So, so <laughs> she would take me to school with her. And I was always this bored kid roaming the halls of her school. Uh, and one day there was a film crew setting up and I didn't know what they were doing. And I, I didn't really know anything about movies. And I just wasn't, uh, that wasn't my world. At the uh, school, they were filming something. Yeah, they were they were hosting interviews or auditions, uh, as it were, for students for this new show that they were going to be filming, and they were just looking for for like young for like grade seven and grade eights. And I happened to walk by, and I poked my head in. It was it was four guys like setting up all this equipment, and in retrospect, again, this must look so ridiculous to them, and it's probably why they took a liking to me. But I popped my head in, and I was like, "What are you guys doing?" And they're like, "Oh," or they kind of explained what they're doing, and I was like, "That's good. Do you guys need coffee?" <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I, I just ran the school like I knew the school I, I knew all the teachers I was just the little kid who was allowed to do whatever he wanted in the school and I had grown up there I'd been there since I was like in grade four uh, as as like this specter yeah. rolling the halls so they, they were like no we don't need coffee and they're like don't you need to go to class and I was like and I didn't explain to them that I was a, a teacher's 
um, kid. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't have class today. I'm just like, I'm hanging around. And they were like, that's weird. And then they were like, well, do you want to audition? I said, I don't know what that means. And they quickly explained it to me. And I said, we'll give you this piece of paper. You read it. It was this, uh, this story about how the, um, the, I think it was the Marines or something, use oranges to practice cleaning oil spills in oceans. Uh -huh. uh, and so I did it and I ended up getting a job. And the show turned out to be called, uh, it was Kids TV, which uh, in Canada played on the global television network and uh -huh. it was interstitial. So if you can imagine watching Saturday morning cartoons, there was all these little moments in between cartoons where some, something would happen. They would, oh. they, you know, there'd be a short story. So for us, it was a little kid and it was like, Hey, I'm Antonio and this is Kids TV. We're down at the aquarium and we're going to play with dolphins. And like, yeah, so I did that for like a year and a half and I loved it. And at the end of the year, they just, they were, their plan was always to keep replacing the kids. So they always had grade sevens or grade eights. Um, so they didn't offer me a job, but I went to my dad and I was like, hey, I want to be an actor. And my dad said, hey, not a chance. Uh, <laughs> he said, when you're older, if you're still interested in this, you're welcome to try it. But right now you've got to go get your education. Mm -hmm. And as, as like fate would have it, when I was in grade 12, I guess, or grade 11, I was, I was a soccer player. I played sports at a, a, a good level, not, not high enough to ever go pro. I wasn't that good, but I was good enough that I thought I was good. And I injured myself pretty badly and I ended up not being able to take certain classes. And the drama department was the only department that I could go to that didn't need prerequisites. Uh -huh. So I ended up taking my grade 9, 10, and 11 drama all in one semester and completely was like, I love this. I want to do this. Didn't know what that meant. I did the school play and my drama teacher took me aside and said, what do you plan to do for university? And I said, I plan to not go to university because <laughs> I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to submit an application for a theater program. And if you get in, you go. And if you don't, you do whatever you want. And I applied and I got in and got that in. was that. And I was like, well, I guess I'm an actor now. <laughs> yeah. So what was your play? I always have to ask. High school the first plays. one, it yeah. was called uh, Noises Off. Oh, by, I know. Uh, I know that. Yeah. 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 And I played Freddie. So I played this like very high anxiety kind of like nerdy uh -huh. skittish skittish guy um, yeah i quite liked it the role that i wanted was the role of the director when i first read the play i was like that's what i want um and in so were you a singer no not at all <laughs> okay. no gosh i'm terrible <laughs> that show has music it's a musical right uh and i think it it has, I think it has a musical component, but it's not, it's, um, it's like a, a slamming door farce. So this is okay. the one where like act one, you see them rehearsing it. Act two, you see the, you see the reverse. You see what's happening backstage. And then act three, you see what was happening on stage during act two. And uh -huh. there's all this like, like drama and conspiracy and intrigue that's yeah. kind of happening in these micro moments. So it was a lot of fun. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, I don't know. I've gotten so much uh, in my life from just being like slightly awkwardly forward about stuff. Like yeah. I, I was talking about it with a friend of mine who has a, a podcast and I was saying, oh, you should ask so-and-so to to for an interview. And she was like, oh, they wouldn't want to be interviewed. <laughs> and I was like, what do you got to lose? You never know. Yeah. They say no okay no harm no thanks, foul thanks for the time appreciate it yep. um and uh, <laughs> uh and there you go and uh and i don't know it's just <laughs> a certain de degree of of not really i guess caring that much about uh like not being embarrassed by stuff yeah. and just going for it i think gets you a long way in life
I 100% agree. You yeah. just have to. And it's interesting. As I got older, I think that the information I got from the world was like, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do yeah. that. And, and it probably did shift, um, shift something in me. But when I was young, I ran all sorts of, I called them hustles. I'm sure some of them were scams. Like, I <laughs> just, just, okay, I'll show you a, a, a tidbit of a fun story. But when I was young, yeah. my, my best friend and I were obsessed with, um, well, well we're, I'm still obsessed with basketball. I was obsessed with basketball. I was obsessed with Michael Jordan. Um, uh, yeah. Um, um, sorry, Michael Jackson. So we had, oh. we had these two like major obsessions. And one year we found out that Michael Jackson was going to be performing at Madison Square Gardens uh-huh. uh, for this, this huge tribute concert. And my friend and I decided, well, we're going to get in. We're going to go. And we, we launched a campaign and drove ourselves to New York City and got ourselves onto the red carpet to take photos oh like, like this close to yeah. every major celebrity. Forget just at one point, this was <laughs> like Destiny's Child before Beyonce was a thing. Destiny's Child sang to yeah. us. We like, as I tell the story, I'm like, I blacked out. Like, I don't remember it. I have a photo of it. Like, yeah. yeah. So we used to do all that. You know, it's like, it's ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right. Um, as I'm getting older, I, I think I'm trying to ask for permission more, but um, I do well, best when I do ask for forgiveness. Yeah. I mean, we have less time the older we get, the the more obligations we have. And this is a little yeah. bit harder. Uh, and maybe people are a little less forgiving when you're but i know i still think you get along that people that this the you can get a long way by just yeah. uh being a little bit uninhibited I yeah think. shoot your shot Saying, hey let, i'm all for that yeah uh so uh well we connected you and i uh over our recent uh for hallmarkies we have a re a new design for our merch store called Hallmarkies for Diversity, and and it's, it's designed by artist Jessica Miller, who's amazing, and we really love it, and we'll have all the information in the description if people want to check it out, and we love the support. We're, we're donating all the proceeds for this. We're just uh, to the Dooney Fund, which is for entrepreneurs, for, uh, for Black female entrepreneurs uh, in their encouragement, and uh, and so I, I just, I really wanted to try to make a statement with art in some way that, yeah. that I think that we need uh, to be telling stories of all different types of people. Uh, and no matter their, you know, their race or their sexuality or their things, I, I think it's really important. And I, and I just wanted to try my best to encourage I encourage Hallmark to do that because I think yeah. there's power in these little, these little. Absolutely, stories. there is. And so we connected, we talked, and I know it's something that you feel very passionate about. And yes. uh, I guess why do you think it's so important for there to be representation, whether it's Hallmark, whether it's whether it's any of the networks and the medium, uh, whether it's TV or feature films or mm-hmm. what do you think it's 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 so important to have that representation yeah i i mean it's 2020 everybody mm-hmm. has an account that streams something everybody for the most part many people I shouldn't say everybody has access to television even if you don't directly have access to it uh you end up walking through the world and so much of what we do is informed by pop culture it always has been but it's it's different now um it's louder 
it's in every nook and cranny of what we we do mm -hmm. um and narrative narrative is the cornerstone of how we live right like mm -hmm. like yeah. most of what we understand most of how we transact whether that's conversationally or relationally or whatever that may be uh, our, our emotional education it, it it tends to come from narrative. So that exists, of course, in, in literature, uh, but it feels like people are reading less and less these days and book, books are changing more and more. Um, the medium of our generation really is film and television. And, and for myself, I know growing up, I was like such a TV kid. Um, I didn't really watch movies growing up. I just watched every television show that ever existed. And, uh, and to some extent, I, I still am like that. And so when I think of I mean, I, there's a number of answers to this question, but the, sure. the, the cornerstone of it for me is narrative on television helps to create space for the next generation to understand how to be, how to treat each other. Um, uh, it, it starts to break down barriers and create curiosities. And I think the more curiosity we start to instill in people, the more they ask questions about the person sitting across from them, and the more they realize that the gap that they that they may currently see or understand or perceive is completely fabricated it's part of an old narrative mm -hmm. and so part of shedding old narratives is being able to rebuild them um, and, and to rewrite them and to allow people the space to uh to receive them emotionally i i really do believe that people need to like the role of film and tv um is to 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 really um uh, galvanize and, and 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 help to to spur emotional growth uh it sort of like cracks your heart open it doesn't break your heart but it cracks your heart open and it lets new light enter in and it allows your heart to like to swell into this 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 size that is a little bit more all-encompassing so when i think of the need for representation for me i think uh aside from that four-year-old who needs to see me on tv so that he knows that he has a place in the world yeah. and that he knows that he has a voice in the world and that he has a right to be here um beyond just that i also think there's a four-year-old who doesn't look like me who needs to see me and go oh that's an adult that i can look up to that's an adult that i can march alongside with that's an adult that mm -hmm. i am just like um yeah and especially especially in the hallmark world i think um hallmark tells very specific and and simple and i mean that in the in the in the most genuine sort of kind way stories stories that are relatable and that are that are that are um they are things that either we all live or we all sort of like aspire to live like it, it's it's a, a world that kind of leads with its heart center primarily mm -hmm. how people how people feel and how people treat each other and so of of, of all the different networks, I look at Hallmark and I just think there is so much room for inclusivity because love is an inclusive action. Yeah. Uh, and so when I look at that, I, when, when, I, when I look at this idea of Hallmark Use for Diversity, for example, which I reached out about, it, it really excites me to know that other people see this, this gap um, and, and are not willing to to just accept it for what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I know for me, I mean, I'm a, a white lady from the suburbs, so but <laughs> uh but I can tell you when I when Wonder Woman came out and I I saw it and it's not like I I I know the movie has its flaws and I'm aware of that. Yeah. I, when I saw it, I was 
bawling. It yeah. meant so much to me. Yeah. When she steps out uh, on the no man's land scene and it's just awesome. It was, it meant so much to me. And yes, I'm aware that we've had strong female characters in the past. But not quite like nothing that. Nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, that, that was quite like that. And, and uh, somebody that's just so, especially because with her, she was so sweet and, and she's not like the, the tough girl that we'd somebody like a Ripley and alien or something like that, yes. you know, like Wonder Woman, which, you know, she's ooing at babies and there was a, there was a sweetness to her that was also strong mm-hmm. and you don't normally see that. I, I mean, I can, it's so rare. And uh, so that's what I think that uh, is, is powerful about these, you know, these silly little love stories in Christmas movies is mm-hmm. there's a, uh, a power in the, uh, the, I don't want to say femininity of them, but just in the, in the, um, uh, in the, the, there's not people telling women's stories very often. Yeah. And, uh, and Hallmark is, is a place that has done that. And I think that's a powerful thing. And I feel like everybody should have that experience to connect with it on that level. Yes. And uh, I mean, in, in another example, just a little example that I can connect with was I loved the show Dropped a Diva. I don't know if you ever heard of that show. I never saw but it. I've heard of it. The, the lead was a plus size woman who was a, a, an attorney, but she had a supermodel in her body that like bodies got swapped. It, it's, it, right, right. I loved it. It was, yeah. it was such a great show. And it was so empowering to me to have this woman who was so confident of a supermodel, yeah, but was also looked like me and that I could relate with. Yeah. And so I can only imagine that that's a million times more so when, uh, when you're dealing with uh, under, underrepresented minorities that they, I mean, at least I get to see lots of people that look pretty close to me <laughs> all the time. Um, and, uh, and so I can only imagine that 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 feeling how important that is for mm-hmm. people to be just like I felt with Wonder Woman and be able to be like, Oh, that's, that's, that's somebody like me that I connect with. And, yep. and I think, I think it's really important and I just don't see the downside. Like there are some, I like, I can understand certain, certain, you know, that you're dealing with some really strong Christian audience. So certain yeah. things I understand. And why that that's challenging. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I think they should. Nope. But and I think you're right. The, the, I think saying, that was the right word choice. It is challenging. But but I but as far as the you know celebrating different ethnic groups and different races in casting, I just don't understand. To me, there's no downside to it. Yeah. You, you expand your 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 audience. You connect with more people. And you get more things to celebrate. I mean, exactly. like, like when we, uh, when we did, we did this little pitch session episode. Yeah. It was really fun where we I pitched our sort of imaginary Hallmark movies. And uh, one of the ones I pitched was a Chinese New Year. Yeah, perfect. And right? <laughs> like, it'd be so fun. Like you have all these little, you have the, a whole new group of festivals and yeah. like, cause we've done all the, uh, the, um, uh the anglo-saxon type festivals and traditions and yes. we've, we've done it all and with all the hallmark movies 
and people they're looking for new stuff to celebrate new traditions ways why not why not do it i i just don't and especially when you look at the fact that hallmark is based in in greeting cards right like when you think of crown media and and like what they have access to i'm like you already have chinese new year's greeting cards you do right yeah you you have you have a robust and they must sell otherwise you wouldn't have them on the shelves yeah and so it stands to reason that those same people who buy the greeting cards would watch the movies where they are represented yeah just from just from a just from a financial standpoint regardless putting aside what 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 it engages me which is like the ethics of it just looking at it as a business from a business point of view there is there's money on the table right like it just seems like it i don't see there's no loss i can't imagine anybody being like oh well i'm not gonna watch that about those chinese like what this is funny when you use the word before challenging and i said i think that's the right word i think part of the challenge is that there perhaps are people in the fan base who who are willing to make a stink up front before any Uh changes happen but they would be unwilling to stop watching the things that serve them in the future right so so, you know these are people who are are for whatever reason digging their heels in perhaps and saying saying we want this change doesn't matter it's it's this it's the same people who are trying to have the all lives matter argument as though something being offered to another group is taken from them you know i I'm I'm very much uh, a listener of Brene Brown, and I, I think of like the opposite the opposite of scarcity is enough. It's not a, it's it, there is enough for everyone, and so I I do believe that those same people who say we don't want change will eventually look at the platform, look at uh, all of the movies that Hallmark has once diversity is in and once like yeah. inclusivity, uh, uh, once more people are starting to be included, and they will simply say. Well, I'm still going to watch the movies that I watch. If there are some movies that they don't like, that's okay. They don't have sure. to watch all of them, but there will be other people that will be watching them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not going to yeah. lose those people. You're going to gain new people. Yeah. I mean, especially about the, I mean, like, I don't know anybody that with Fashionably Yours was like, uh, uh, we're not going to watch that. Like, of course, everybody, of course. everybody was excited, actually, I think, uh, that you have more representation yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like they're creating barriers that just aren't there. And maybe they have some like secret data that's like making them super nervous. Maybe. I don't think but, so. I just, I just think just change is hard. It doesn't make sense to me because I just feel like why not have more to celebrate? Why not yes. celebrate more people? Why not? And I, I, I kind of think of it as in, uh, I, I don't even love the movie that much, but the movie, The Holiday. Yeah. One of the best scenes in that movie is when uh, the old man is talking to Kate Winslet and and the old man says to Kate Winslet says you, you you've 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 made yourself the best friend and you're totally leading the leading lady in your own story and I think right. that, that that's a problem is we've we've mm-hmm. we've put people that all they are is the BFF all they are is the friend we have been relegated to one they, thing yeah when they're really they have so much potential Exactly. To, to be the leading the leading lady of the story and people need to see that that oh yeah. i can be the i'm not always the sassy best friend we we yeah need to, we need to do better yeah and you know yeah. and, and you mentioned fashionably yours like cat graham is is a remarkable lead and mm-hmm. when i look at who her bff was it was it was jordan and i, I look at jordan mm-hmm. and i'm like she's amazing she's she is this amazing wonderful actress who mm-hmm. shows up as 
the BFF in that one. And I go, yeah, yeah, because everybody has a best friend. Like you, you don't question right. it. You don't think twice about it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, and fr from, from the homework point of view, I do know, like, you know, I reached out to you after reading Hallmark's post with regards mm -hmm. to Black Lives Matter. Um, right. And, uh, and I read it many times and I sat with it many, like for, for many, many, many days before I ever responded to it. Mm -hmm. um, and fundamentally it did bother me because, but it didn't bother me perhaps for the reason that I think people thought. And, and I, I read all of the comments in the comment thread, if you can believe that. <laughs> I, I went pretty yeah. deep down the rabbit hole because I wanted uh -huh. to know how people felt about it because I knew that sure. I felt something, right? I was agitated. And the thing that was agitated in me was that they had the ability to post something that that many people called performative, and yet somebody wrote it and potentially believed it. And if there was space for somebody to believe it, in the absence of taking a hard look as an institution mm -hmm. as to how their practices has helped to create the landscape within which that um, statement even needed to exist. Mm -hmm. That that's when I that's where I was agitated. I was like, that disconnect is problematic for me. But yeah. that disconnect is also full of hope for me in a in a in a strange mm -hmm. way, and it's it's where I'm coming from, um, in in you know trying to uh, engage the network in conversations. Is that yeah. there there is space for change, and the fact that you were able to put this tells me that you understand fundamentally that inclusivity is a core value, and yet if you're constantly trying to solve, and I'm going to say a black people problem with white people, you're missing the point, right? right? It, inclusivity has to actually include the people whose perspectives you are trying to output or, right. or you're trying to, to help fix. And it's not just the actors, it's the writers. It's Precisely. The, and it's the behind the scenes. Because we, we, you can tell when yes. uh, you have, you have, when you don't have a, 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 a not that all black people have the same voice, but nope, but there, I, I know exactly there's there's a difference, I think, between uh something you know is just okay, we're gonna we're gonna cast uh black people in a yep. white story. It it oh, you yeah. can just tell. I even with yeah. auditions, like listen, I go yeah. for I go for auditions all the time with, with all sorts of different networks. Mm -hmm. And there are times where you pick up a script and you just read the name that they gave the character. And you go, right, this character wasn't actually intended for right. a person of color. Yeah, It wasn't. It was written for whoever it was written for. But the default, typically when you have a, a writer's room that is all white, the default is white. It just is. It makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, like it's mm -hmm. not, I, I, I don't bring that up to, yeah. to be incendiary. I say it because it, it yeah. should be a very reasonable and thing. Like It is a problem throughout. And I have tried to remind people of this, that, 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 Hallmark is just one facet of this yes. th this problem. I I mean, last year we had such a diverse group of movies, and yet the Academy we had yeah. one person of color nominated in the acting categories and yeah. and and directing, I believe. And yeah. uh, well, no, because directing had um had a, a parasite. Uh, right. Bonjour. Anyway, um, you had one, and she was playing a slave, <laughs> so <laughs> it's not the best. <laughs> and furthermore, this is like like those are great examples. What you just said is actually really important because it allows us. And I think that this is one of the things that is confusing is is that when people look at the problems, they start to get very micro, and they go, "Well, Hallmark mm -hmm. is a problem." And I, I I am a little bit generous 
perhaps sometimes too generous, but I am a little bit generous when I look at this and I say, I don't think that it's necessarily Hallmark that is the problem. Hallmark has problems, mm -hmm. but I don't think that they're the center of the problem. I feel like that's naive. And when I look at the academy, I don't go, the academy is the problem. I go that the system that lives underneath the academy, yeah. the system that we've all bought into, the system that we are subscribing to is the problem, which means that each of us actually has to begin looking, looking within ourselves to start doing the work. Um, yeah. it, uh, and that phrase doing the work, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see, I spend a lot of time talking about doing the work. Yeah. Uh, and so even when I'm approaching Hallmark, the conversation that I want to have isn't to shame. It's not to dismiss. It's not to diminish. It's to mm -hmm. say, it you sounds like you're interested in doing the work. I would like to help you do the work because yeah. this is a thing that I'm actually skilled at. Yeah. I understand how to do the work. And in fact, a lot of people of color and a lot of people who, um, have, have come up in the LGBTQ community know how to do the work because we've had sure. to do the work to figure out how to survive in the world. Right. You know, and, and, and so we have this, this emotional education and this intellectual education that, that many of us want to say, I want to build a bridge between mm -hmm. where I am and where you are so that we can walk to each other and find out what's in the middle because things have to change and things are going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and on the topic of things are going to change, you know, like, and, and I'm sure Hallmark has already seen this, but, uh, here in Canada, the CBC is undergoing massive changes, but in the States as well, Disney just hired Colin Kaepernick uh, to lead a, 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 essentially an internal task force um, mm -hmm. around, around changing their practices around diversity. Yeah. And, and again, this is the central piece of it. You know, when, when we talk about casting, for me, that's a band-aid. I, I would love to see more people of color and more people of the LGBT community um, showing up in Hallmark movies but that's just that's mm -hmm. just the beginning and if that's all that's going to be done then it ends up even if it's not intentional being lip service mm -hmm. to a to a bigger problem because yeah. really what we need to look at is character development we need to look at the development of r the writer's room so that we can actually have a writer's room that reflects what we think the world actually looks like mm -hmm. we need to start looking at directors and make sure that if we're telling female stories or female driven stories female-led stories that we actually have women at the helm um, right now, there's a there's a fantastic mm -hmm. homework being shot here. I don't know the name of it. That um, Christy Will Wolf is uh, is at the center of, mm -hmm. and she has Jessica Lowndes on one side. I think I pronounced her last name right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she has Donna Benedicto so. on sure. the other. I'm not, yeah. not sure. I've never heard her say her last name. But when you when you look at that, and Christy is one of the she's one of the yeah. leaders. And we you know, love like, Donna so much. She's one Donna's of our favorites. Donna's a superstar. Yeah. And uh, also yeah. On, on set they have Hamza. Uh, Hamza's there. Like it, it's it's this it's it's what needs to be happening yeah and even that when i look at it i'm like they got the casting right and they got the directing right so so we're on the right path like this is getting better yeah. can the can can we develop a pool of directors that starts to look more like the people yeah who are showing up in the stories yes can we do that with producers yes can we do that at an executive <laughs> level at some point yes yeah but these are the types of changes that yeah. that over time have to begin happening and it's gonna, there's gonna be some growing pains. I, I mean, there's definitely gonna be the, the, uh, you know, the people that will say, oh, it's just, uh, you need to, you need to get the person who's the best for the part or the, or the, sure. and, and of course that that's true, yep. but you but. also need to allow, there's lots of people who probably be good for the part. And so you need to, and this is the system. Yeah. Right. And, like when, when someone says we want the person who's best for the part, what they're actually saying is we want the person that we're most comfortable with yeah. because the person who's best, we're not doing a 2 million person call, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. that's that 
that would be when they when they cast Aladdin, they went far and wide to find the right person, and it took them way longer than I think they expected. And they ended with Toronto's own shout out to Toronto, Mina Masood, who was fantastic in the role, but he was mm-hmm. also actually the right person for the part. That right. was like that was commitment to a statement. Right. Yeah. They, they could have cast any number of actors to play that role. Mina was not on the radar when he got when he got selected. And like they they found a sitting superstar who was like at home doing not nothing, but doing nothing. You know, he 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 wasn't leading some multi-million dollar movie franchise. Yeah. It's really interesting. I did an interview last year with uh, for a site called Rotoscopers because animation is my other love. And so oh, I write cool. for a site called Rotoscopers. And, and uh, anyway, I interviewed a woman named Midge, uh, uh, Midge Coaston, who is a sound editor. And she did a documentary about sound editing, really fascinating, that was last year. And I thought it was really interesting what she said uh, I asked her about women trying to get into sound editing, which has mm-hmm. been, it was men, Mansfield for so long. And, uh, and uh, she was really a trailblazer in that way. And anyway, I thought it was interesting what she said. Uh, she said uh, about women having a hard time getting into sound. She says, that hasn't changed that much. I used to think it was nefarious before I got into the business but that's not what happens. Oh. In reality, you work long days and sometimes it's easier to pick people to feel more comfortable with or have experience with. So you yeah. have to have more of a consciousness about it. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's a great really statement. true. And, and it, yeah, no, I, 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 I echo that sentiment in, in, in some very important ways. Yeah. Like I do think that there are times that it is nefarious, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's the default. And again, yeah. I am, I am perhaps more generous than, than I, than I should be or than other people are. Mm-hmm. But I think this is honestly the way I look at it. We all grew up, we were born, we came up in different educational systems in different uh, states and provinces and countries with different uh parental structures and adults that we looked up to. And the thing that was offered to us was information that we inherited. We weren't born with encyclopedias. We weren't born with history books. Mm-hmm. We, weren't born, we weren't born getting to travel the world and meet everybody. And so the information that we have is this inherited information and it's created the, the, the project of who we are as individuals. Yeah. And as we've gotten older, we buy into larger and larger projects. Mm-hmm. So the project of being part of the film industry plays by a certain set of rules, but those rules are inherited information. Yeah. And to go against the inherited information is inherently difficult because you would have to not only step outside of the boundary of what other people expect, but you have to walk into the unknown, into the discomfort of finding something that you don't know where to find, right? And so, and so with her statement, when, when, when she says, you have to be very conscious because at the end of the day, you're tired, it's been a long day and it's just easier to work with the people you know. The mm-hmm. question then is how do you grow the pools of people that you know right. that don't look like you so that at the end of the day, you have people around you who can, who can exercise diversity, who, who can, who can mm-hmm. show up as something larger. But the, but the truth is, and, and I think this is to her point, is that when she says it's not nefarious, she's she's discussing the fact that the system is built the way the system has always worked and if we're not challenging it then it's always going to work that way because it's at its simplest and it, it's at its most effective when it's at its simplest mm-hmm. and and so our goal is yeah. i think to start 
looking at it and saying, well, how do we make inclusivity simple? And yeah. like you said, there's going to be growing pains. It's not a, this isn't a six month quick fix, which is also what, when I come back to the casting and I'm like, okay, well, we've got some casting right. Cool. You're not getting a gold star for that. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't hand out keep a cookie going. for that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, keep going. There's more to the work. The work is mm -hmm. deeper and longer. And in 10 years, what you'll find is that you won't have to say we made some casting choices because the face of casting will now be different. The right. face of casting will inherently be inclusive. And so we won't ever have to go, look, we cast a black lead because it would be a stupid thing to say because right. we're constantly now in a practice of casting, quote unquote, the right people for the right mm -hmm. role. But, mm -hmm. but as we zoom out, we realize that the writers who are now diverse are writing characters that are fully developed yeah. who also have there's a diversity a ripple effect. there's a ripple effect exactly we have we have a director on set who understands how to tell a story that that is is trying to pull in multiple points of views and they're not always going to get it right but but they're trying mm -hmm. and and i think that's where that's where i'm stuck right now that's the intersection that i find myself at is saying i think it's fantastic that there's a statement around inclusivity and diversity mm -hmm. but but the proof is in the pudding. If you're, right. if, you're, if you're not actually showing your work in math class, I don't care if you got the number right, right? Like, how are we getting there? Because having mm -hmm. the same group of people who have been a party to the problem saying, well, we now understand and we're just gonna cast people who look right, isn't actually dealing with the problem. The problem is that same group of people who say they're doing their best don't have the, enough information to do their best. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, yeah, this is kind of a a, a tangential reference, but it, it's it's one that's really loud right now with what's happening in the world. I was talking to a friend recently uh, about the police. My cousin is a, is is a, an RCMP officer, and her husband's in the police as well. And there are these large conversations around defund the police that are happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I was I was having this conversation about police and criminalization of things. And one of the things that I was saying was how challenging it is. The, one of the restaurants that I work uh, at. Um, across the street, there was a park that became a homeless encampment for a full year. Mm -hmm. And so I really watched how the police dealt with it. And I was out there every day chatting with the police, just asking questions. I don't know. I was sure. curious. I wanted to know what they were doing. And quite frankly, I supported them in their discomfort because they didn't know what to do. And the problem was that you had the wrong people trying to solve the wrong problem. Yeah, you had people That's who were with guns dealing with mental health issues and dealing with poverty. Meanwhile, we had city councillors who were not coming down to the neighborhood, and I would be calling the city councillor saying, come and visit, right? Because this mm -hmm. is your problem. It's not the police's problem, and giving them more money doesn't give them more tools. And, and so, you know, if I use that, that yeah. sort of, uh, uh, if I make that analogous to what we're talking about here in the film industry, I look at executives and internal committee that are saying, like, we think we know what we're supposed to do, and I go, like, you just don't have the tools. It's not your fault. But, mm -hmm. but let's work at that. Let's let's open the door and say, well, how do we start to arm you with the right tools? And in this case, I think the tools are people. How do we bring people in that can help offer you some perspective that you, yeah. that you listen to, that you have to listen to? And it's so true. And that's so true on every level. Like the, almost everything in, in our current world, whether you're in America or Canada, is decided by a group of like 10 to 20 men in board meetings mm -hmm. <laughs> and white men usually yeah i mean then that's true for that. that's true for education <laughs> that's true exactly for, that's true for for publishing that's true for mm -hmm. and uh and every once in a while there's that kind of thing that sort of 
that surprises people something like yeah. hamilton to be honest is a good mm -hmm. example of something on so many levels that uh, nobody thought that was going to be what it turned out to be uh and uh and uh and it uh even i don't think lynn thought that it was going to no be idea. like that and yeah. uh and, and yet then here it is and but uh but yeah you you they are you do have to take some risks you have to try mm -hmm. you have to experiment and i'm all and you for have to it. raise and, your voice like, yeah and, and and i also think you have to raise your voice and you have to find the allies because yeah. the, the the uncomfortable part of it you know if we if if we really think about it the uncomfortable part of it is that i can knock on the door for as long as i want but i'm not in a position for them to answer it and that may be because i'm at the bottom of a pile that yeah. may be because i look the way i look that may be because they are at the top of a pile and have too many things going on mm -hmm. and so and so part of the conversation is figuring out not only how to use your voice but how to find your allies and say mm -hmm. do you have a voice um <laughs> not do you have a voice do you have a voice that people listen to like are you in a position yeah. where your privilege um, permits you access to things uh, to which I'm prohibited. Could yeah. you knock on the door for me? Right? Like, and, and, and it's not to say like, can you do me a favor? It's to say, this is the right thing to do. Right. Are, you, are you willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position in order for something beautiful to come out on the other side? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, it, and like that privilege is the greatest tool that we're, we're looking at right now. Mm -hmm. Just this idea that people are waking up to the concept that I, I sit with a certain type of privilege is mm -hmm. a really big um, discovery because the next thing that it does is to say, huh, what does that privilege afford me? Right? Like we, yeah. we have to do step one to get to step two. Like I was thinking about that, that say we have a thousand people listen to this podcast, which mm -hmm. is honestly being a little generous, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're close. If a thousand people, and if even if 200 of those people were to post on social media to Hallmark about that's huge. If they were it's to get two hundred yeah. all at once, uh, and 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 those two hundred people were to keep at it, then that's that's huge. So what I hope in in my interview with Dory that you that you got a chance yeah. to make with with talking with you, with I've reached out to other people. I if if you're listening and you want to come on, you have something to say. I'm more than happy to do it and uh, and that people can share that hopefully this gives you a tool that if you want something that you can share and say, Hey, Hallmark channel, I agree with what Antonio and Rachel are talking about here. Um, yeah. You know, let's make some changes together. Let them know that you are in support of representation and that black lives matter. And, uh, and uh, I, I think it's. I think we could make a big difference. Like, uh, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's, it's in one ways it's very small, but I think it could actually give them at least the reassurance yes. that that we are here for it and we're yeah. we're behind them. And I'm not going away. I'm going to keep continuing continuing <laughs> to cover Hallmark movies. I've named it my podcast. Yeah, uh, I'm here for the long haul. But so I, I, uh, I, I just, I hope that, that that's something that our listeners can, uh, can be encouraged by. And, Absolutely. And, 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 and that, I think, I think that thing that you just contextualize is so important for the listeners. And, mm -hmm. and, and if we, if we kind of marry that to what I was just saying about privilege, I, I will say that 
every listener, I think, may not, may not know the power of their voice, right? Mm -hmm. they, they may not know that if they tweet something out or they Instagram something out and they at Hallmark Channel and they at a couple of stars, they may not know that it's landing somewhere, but it is. It, yeah. it does make a difference. And certainly when we start to amplify our voices and say, like you said, if there are 200 people that all did this on the same, on the same day or in the same way or with the same mm -hmm. hashtag or whatever that may be, what we would find is that people, people, this blanket people, whether that's Hallmark executives or, or whomever it might be, start to listen because what they hear are our fans are unhappy with the way we're working or our fans stand for something bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah. let's do it. Hashtag Hallmarkies mm -hmm. for diversity. Yes, <laughs> like, let's do it. Like, Please, like, everyone. Tag it. Re, re, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Real quick, before we, uh, we go, I wanted to just ask you about uh, two of my favorite of your roles for Hallmark, real quick. Uh, I wanted to ask about Daru Daru. Yeah. I love that <laughs> series, and I loved Me the too. little, like, side relationship. Yeah. Uh, with I, uh, I think it's Winnie is her name. Yeah, Winnie. Yeah, I think that is so cute, and uh, I, especially that you. I think it's your character that loves obscure laws. Yeah, I love that. We, that we was end so up, funny. It, it, we discover that we both love obscure laws. Yeah, that was hilarious because that's totally the kind of thing that that my lawyer friends. That's totally true. Yes. That's, they do that. <laughs> they nerd out on just these like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these little morsels of nothingness. <laughs> but law is fascinating, right? Yeah. Like law yeah. is truly, there's, there are so many nooks and crannies within it. Yeah. And that show I think is so well written. I love it. Mm. Uh, it's my favorite of any of the, of the mystery shows. And yeah, Fee um, Sutton, who's, uh, who was the writer for, yeah. I can't remember if it's all four or just the first three. Um, but he used to write for Boston Legal as well, okay. uh, which is, you which is also partially, exactly. And, and when he puts that type of banter in, in the exceedingly capable hands of like Wendy Malick and Barkley Hope, you just watch yeah. the two of them on set and you're like, this is, this is so good. And si similarly, like watching Wendy and Kim go or Kim and Tom go and, 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 and Tom is a runaway train. Like Tom takes the writing and turns it into to Tom's speech. Yeah. But, like it, it, all of them have these really um, uh, dialed in dynamics that are, that are extremely fun to watch and to play. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's tough to get that whole cast together, Yes, but I hope we get, I hope we, we, uh, we get someday, maybe it won't, it won't be till next year probably, but yeah, I, I think, would, I, I would, uh, a little bit. I would love to see, cause we love Lila too. We're big fans on the podcast of, yes. of Lila. She's, she's, great. she's phenomenal. And uh, it's just such a good show that I hope uh, they don't give on up on it completely. I feel uh, the same way. My, um, my, I mean, one of my closest friends from it uh, is Vince Dangerfield, uh, who plays Scott. Uh -huh. this, I don't know if he would appreciate being described this way, but he's like the arrogant lawyer. Um, yeah. and, and my Chester's like a little weird, but like he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's got it together. And I, I just always wish, I'm like, just give Scott and Chester a side story. Like one little thing where they get to drive somewhere and interview somebody. Like, <laughs> like I just think yeah. that there's, there's, there's room for those two to show up on the show without taking up too much extra space. Because right. right now we all kind of operate in the bullpen. We all have a function which is mm -hmm. in service to Kim. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like my, one of my best days was, was I think in the first, in the second one where, where uh, Mackenzie Porter uh, was the, um, uh, the, the victim on trial, uh, getting to be in the courtroom with Kim and being given the autonomy to like make little sounds and, and like be Chester's weirdness and figure out what his life is like outside of the office. Um, because so, so frequently we're just in the, the legal room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That would be fun. I would enjoy that. Uh, but even just you, you and Winnie keep going on dates and having your cute yeah. little romance. I'm all about it. I yeah. think it's super cute. Uh, and uh, yeah. And I also, I really liked you and Rakia in the Christmas and Evergreen 3. I, Thank you. I liked your story much better than the main story <laughs> like i love paul green he's so Thank great you. he's such Me a too. nice person i'm, I'm obsessed but, with him i'm low-key obsessed yeah. with Maggie. i think that they're amazing but i thought i don't know i i didn't love their story i didn't think yeah. they had great chemistry but i thought you two did and rakia told us that i guess you guys realized that you had kind of cross paths all these times but it never really the, so many yeah the, we the, we uh, actually like close we to discovered each other, right? we live close to each other we have we have like a mutual very close friend but she was friends with her during like the earlier part of her life and i yeah. met her in the later part of my life and so she was a connection between the two of us i, I was writing to my friend in toronto and i, I mentioned like oh doing something with Kiel bernard and she was like what she's like hang on can you just call me for a second <laughs> And so we very quickly found out that like they were childhood like best friends yeah um, and uh, and also we went to the same theater school like i think three years apart so i would have been just entering as she was in her final year but it, but the math on that is that we would have been like roaming the halls at the school at the same time and just never crossed paths. like i didn't know who she was yeah that's so funny <laughs> yeah yeah small world yeah we have just, just like a lot of similarities a yeah. lot of similarities in terms of like moving from toronto living in vancouver uh our our, our lives in vancouver although they're not the same have further similarities in terms of like raising kids her kids are much older than mine but um, mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 pretty it's yeah it's pretty exciting when you find somebody on yeah. set and you just kind of like you click and you're off to the races yeah i would be so excited if because if they did a spinoff with your two characters because be what they've done so far with christmas and evergreen the evergreen movies is they have spun off like you'll see ashley williams character in the second movie and maybe right. a little bit in the third movie but they haven't spun off in the sense of like they've always added a new lead yeah that's and what so, i've noticed yeah we're maggie and jill and I think it would be fun if they now, we've had three movies, there's enough sort of solid characters. There's that, a whole town there. Yeah, that either with you two or with Holly. Holly and, and Colin. Yeah, that I think that, that that would be really fun now to spin off of the actual characters that we've developed now at this point. I no completely need to add new. agree. It's almost like the, 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 writer, the writer of that, Zach Hug, I've gotten to do um, yeah. a few of his movies. I think he was amazing. And, yeah, he's and I know so that he, fun. He's so fun. And I, I do know that, like, that's something that interests him as well. That, that, like, this idea of, like, there's this big, robust town. What can everyone do? And how do we make them all, all like, important? 
Um, I think at one point, I can't remember if he told me this or somebody else did, <laughs> there was like a reference to Marvel movies. That's like Christmas Evergreen could be like the Marvel. The, the, the cinematic <laughs> universe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do think like it would be a really neat Christmas story if they do a Christmas Evergreen 4 to actually just have there be an event uh, that requires everyone to come back yeah. to the town but not have a new story. So we get to see where Ashley's story picks up and where Jill's story picks up. And, and of course, like, Ruki and I are at the beginning of our story, so perhaps we can be, like, the, the couple that leads it through. And then you, of course, have the impending yeah. wedding because it was a proposal between Collie and Holly. Co Colin and Holly. And so, yeah. you know, putting, putting all that together, you know, maybe, maybe a Christmas wedding is the event. Who knows? Yeah, that could be fun. You could have a, like a reunion of some kind. Yeah. And you could have, I, I've always thought that they should have Ashley Williams character ditch Teddy Sears, gone, <laughs> and get back together with, uh, with uh, Marcus Rosner. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Marcus. Yeah. So I, 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 I worked with Marcus on my first Hallmark. Oh, uh, oh and we, yeah. And we kind of became friends and we have a similar we have a, a same acting teacher in uh, Vancouver that we both go to but at different times and then I ended up with him on Unreal and I didn't have a car and yeah. so we drove to set every day he picked me up and drove me to set and I was like I love this guy he's my favorite yeah. he's like one of my first, favorite humans yeah the first Christmas in Evergreen movie he literally takes a helicopter <laughs> in order to get there to be with her right he's just yeah. like oh you city guy you're done and I'm like you're what out of here I'm like, that was so bad that he guy's a gem and here you've got Teddy Sears who's like, I just want to get to Florida. And you're like, yeah. why would you want to get to Florida? You're I in know. like Vermont in Christmas. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? So, so I, I, I was just kind of like, why did she pick him? Yeah. It's clear. Clear. Literally, you have the person who's, who's getting a helicopter in order to get to you and spend time with you. And then you have the, the guy who can't wait to get out of here and go to Florida. I would also like them to, so in The Last Christmas in Evergreen, yeah. uh, uh, Ezra, played by Chris Cope, his character gets on a train to go to the big city to chase love. Uh-huh. And it's, it, it doesn't yeah. really get resolved. Like, you sort of go like, wait, what? It, it, and, and I, without giving anything away, yeah. I, know that, I know that there was a storyline in mind that just didn't, like, come to you fruition. for time, yeah. I guess, something. But yeah. what I, I think it would just be so awesome for that couple to come back mm -hmm. to evergreen as you know when we talk about a reunion it's like the mayor has to come back and we need to find out who he left evergreen for because that's a pretty big yeah. move and then mm -hmm. evergreen gets to like welcome this new this new person like yeah so i think uh it would knows? be it would be so good it's true you could have the whole cinematic you could have um uh like one of the angels from angels falls yeah. like show up at evergreen it would be great <laughs> right like they're just yeah. their options yeah uh, hopefully <laughs> kelly hopefully, pickler like, you know, kelly pickler could be there from graceland i mean it would be they, amazing they might as well make this like <laughs> the crossover event of yeah, this season <laughs> that's right you can't make that many movies this year so might yeah. as well just make one movie that has it all even like even <laughs> even let uh, uh brendan penny and jessica siebel's characters from yeah. chesapeake shores like vacation yeah. in christmas and evergreen and they just make a cameo right like why not yeah yeah and, like hey. they're both they're both here they're in town yeah yeah you we never see chesapeake shores in the winter right so why like, not it must be because they don't <laughs> stay there in the winter they go to vermont <laughs> yeah they go to vermont that's right like, that would be 
They could even have their, I think, I don't know if they just got married at the end of the season or if they're engaged, but they could have their honeymoon in Christmas yeah. Evergreen. Although one thing that just makes me crazy about Chesapeake Shores is they act like things on the East Coast are not like close together. Yeah. And that that are, the idea of them, one of them living in Philadelphia when the family's in Chesapeake Shores, like, whoa, like, big deal. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, people commute that every day, no every problem. Day. It's not a long drive. You guys are okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like a straight shot down the highway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, it just makes me laugh. I'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast there, the good folks over at HelloFresh. And HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. One of the things I love about HelloFresh is that it is really, really great for, for single dining like I do and single cooking uh, because a lot of times when you make a recipe, you'll end up with a whole bottle of some sauce or spice that you are not going to use again for a long time. And so with HelloFresh, you only get just what you need for that one recipe. And so it allows you to kind of try out new things, try out new flavors. And it's also great for families too, uh, to save time, to save trips to the store, which you know are all the more stressful these days. And it's great. Uh, they can they can provide contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Uh, they cut out stressful meal planning, grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options. HelloFresh can also help you eat more sustainably. Uh, their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. It's just a winner all the way around. Fits your lifestyle better. You can add extra proteins. You can add desserts. You can add garlic bread every week. It's really, really wonderful. They also donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. And this year, stepping up their food donation amid the coronavirus crisis. And right now, if you go to hellofresh.com slash 80 Hallmarkies and use code 80 Hallmarkies to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box, the additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's an incredible deal. It's uh, at HelloFresh.com slash 80s Hallmarkies. Use code 80s Hallmarkies to get $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. And additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. And so we'll have all the information in the description section Please check it out. I know you'll love it. Last question, and you probably can't say much, but I saw that you're in the new Psych movie. I am. Yeah, that's so oh, exciting. Oh, I wish I was in the other room. And I, I would show you something very cool, but it's, it's uh -huh. uh, in, I'll show it to you afterwards. I forget. Okay, okay. I can't see it anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, I booked, yeah, I booked the Psych movie, and it, it comes out pretty soon. I think the 15th on Peacock, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, my character, yeah, I don't know how much I can give away. I don't, I don't know. Was it fun? fun it was shoot? very, it was very fun. I yeah. got to, I got to do two things that I've like never gotten to do that I thought were really cool. Uh, one of them it involves a, a prosthetic hand, which is pretty rad. Um, and and I, also what I would say about Psych, and I'm sure there are many stories about this, but of all the sets that I've ever been on, mm -hmm. the Psych set is the kindest, closest knit, most welcoming set that I have 
ever seen. And like, yeah. and like, if we full circle and we want to talk about diversity and yeah, effortless, effortless diversity, smokes. it wasn't even, a, it's just not a question. Yeah. It's right. Like it's, it's what I, it's what I earlier in the podcast when I was like 10 years from now, we're never going to have to say, Oh, we made casting choices because it just happens. That's psych. Psych yeah. is so far ahead of the game. And, yeah. and a big part of it, A, is that the leads already inherently were just diverse, but mm-hmm. also they, they truly, and, and Maggie told me the story that like when they first got together, they all made sure that they like lived in a, 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 a very um, a specific area. They were all very close to each other and they would just have dinner every night. So the mm-hmm. cast, the crew became friends. And then it, it grew to when day players came on set or, or whoever it may be guest stars, they were mm-hmm. immediately taken out to dinner and they got to, they, they were really brought into the fold as family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they started this tradition where if it's your first day or your last day on set, they recognize you, but they recognize you in the most perplexing way. They, they call you over and they're like, Hey, hey, hey come here. He's like, Hey everybody, this is Antonio's first day on set. And then without <laughs> missing a beat, everyone breaks into happy birthday and they just <laughs> sing you happy birthday out of the blue. And, it, and like, it's it's actually really like you're like yeah. this is sweet but I don't know what is happening. It's you're not, like why are they giving me a pineapple? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's so, so cool. And it was it That's was really great. exciting to to end up doing Christmas in Evergreen. I didn't work with Maggie in Psych. We weren't we weren't on the same track. Uh huh. And 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 I hadn't I didn't know enough about Psych to know who she was properly. So we ended up uh-huh. talking. We found out we had other friends. And then I mentioned to her that I had done done psych and what a good experience it was and she was like that's my show so <laughs> that's great it's pretty, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's nice to see how this all connects yeah that's and that great. there is I'm there so is excited. a version of this industry that that is diverse and is inclusive yeah. and doesn't feel like work yeah that's great i'm so excited i'm i'm really looking forward to it and i loved the first movie that they did it was really fun uh so i'm looking forward to this new one and yeah so, There's an actor in it named uh, Nils, Nils Hugnestad, that you should look up. If you haven't had him on the show, he would be like a, a pretty great one. I, think. Ooh, I, I, okay. know, I know he's done some Hallmark and I think some Lifetime. Um, he has something coming out that's really interesting. But What's the he, name? Uh, Nils, N-I-L-S. His last name is long. I'll send it to you, Hugnestad. Um, cool. He is, uh, he's also uh, uh, an old friend from theater school. Uh-huh. That when I moved to Vancouver, we've crossed paths over the course of our lives in some of the strangest and most exciting ways. And so we've now ended up on two sets together in Vancouver. Yeah. So. Well, we want everybody to share this podcast, Hallmark, hashtag Hallmarkies for Diversity. Uh, and let's, uh, if you, if you get the, if you get the shirt, if you get the design, uh, post that on social media, we yeah. would love to see your photos. Uh, that would be really fun. And we will RTM, we will, we will share them. And uh, I think this could be a really cool thing. And uh, if people want to follow you on social media, how, how yeah. do they do that? So my full name, at Antonio Kayon, all one word. Okay, great. Uh, and they can follow me on Instagram. And uh, yeah, they'll see, they'll see a lot of the content that I'm creating these days, which is, which is uh, a lot about doing the work. Uh, the more yeah. you talk to me, the more you'll find out that that's my life centers <laughs> around, around doing different types of work that I think are, are good for the world. I think that's great. I think it's very admirable. Uh, I really, I really do. So uh, anytime you want to come on, uh, let's maybe catch up when, uh, in, 
uh, we've uh, maybe gotten closer maybe to some of these Christmas movies or yeah. whatever is happening. That I would, would love be a that. Lot of fun. Once once uh, we start shooting again and I do something new and fun, I would love to come travel yeah, about it. <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod, Hallmarkies Podcast, all of your social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on, and if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. That helps us a lot. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron Tomatoes. You can find me there. And uh, thanks so much, Antonio. This was really great. I, I really appreciate you coming on and us having this great discussion. And uh, it, it's it's been really good. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely reconnect. And uh, yeah. And look forward, we look forward to all those tweets. Hashtag Hallmarkies for Diversity. Send it out. It'll be awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.